0: Wapping's quite a simple thing. What happened at Whopping was one of the employers, Murdoch, decided that they'd be much more profitable if they could cut wages and make people work longer. It wasn't about technology, it was about people having their wages cut and working longer, with the connivance of the government and the police.
1: And on one night we had television cameras there with a, a lady reporter who'd been to every murderous place in the world
2: reporting Kate eighty. The first time she gets hurt, she gets hurt at Wapping. Please hit the cameras, hit her, hit everybody.
3: Hello and welcome to the Digital Works Oral History Podcast. This series is called Fleet Street Remembered, an oral history of London's print workers. London Primary School children interviewed print workers to document what life was like for printers, finishers, journalists, and readers in the heyday of newspaper production in Fleet Street. This is episode four, and it explores the lead up to the whopping dispute and what life was like on the picket line.
4: You know, at Christmas time, when you put paper hats on and you write who you are and you've got to say, Who am I? Well, he made me Rupert Murdoch. <laughs> that wasn't <the> business. <laughs> I think he's a horrible, horrible, horrible man.
1: Businessman. He's a businessman of his time. He saw his opportunity and took it. Uh, but if he was on fire, I'd dial 998.
5: He was allowed to have five newspapers at the same time. And yet there was a law that said, because it's a very powerful tool, a newspaper, that any individual should only have one title. So you might ask, well, why was that allowed to happen? Well, very much because he had friends in high places.
2: That's why people like to own newspapers, is that they control what everyone else reads, and what people read is what they think in the end.
6: Well, I think statistically it's a reportable fact that they're one of the highest sections of um, criminality in the country. Newspaper bosses, they have very dubious things. We had Maxwell, Murdoch, who's got a lot of people who seem to have got up to funny things with telephones. Um, A bloke called Conrad Black at The Telegraph, who seems to have been a guest of Her Majesty at some point. They're a funny bunch, newspaper proprietors. Um, We
7: had one chap, uh, but he always dressed in white. He used to wear a white t-shirt, white trousers, and white plimsolls. And he used to talk like a sergeant major. Yes, sir. No, sir. Um, And he was a real character. The night that Robert Maxwell bought the Mirror Group newspapers and um, Robert Maxwell came round to the composing room that night after securing the uh, the purchase um, so that he could assert his authority on all those around him and um, this chap was working on pasting the pages up ready to go to be photographed to go to press and Maxwell stood behind him and said um, have you uh, worked for the Mirror Long? So he said uh, yes sir 30 years sir so Robert Maxwell said to him um, oh you sound like a military man, yes I am sir which he wasn't Uh, and he said uh, oh did you fight in the second world war yes sir I did sir and Robert Maxwell said oh so did I and so this chap said to him and whose side were you on sir and Maxwell just turned and walked away and the room was in hysterics and Robert Maxwell was humiliated.
5: Printing newspapers had to become more efficient, limit the power of the workforce, reduce costs and grasp new technology. If that meant leaving Fleet Street and starting again, then so be it.
0: Whopping. What happened at Whopping? Whopping's quite a simple thing. What happened at Whopping was one of the employers, Murdoch, who no doubt you've heard of, decided that they'd be much more profitable if they could cut wages and make people work longer. That's what Whopping was about. It wasn't about technology, it was about people having their wages cut and working longer with the connivance of the government and the police.
5: Murdoch wanted to dump as did an awful lot of the other proprietors in fleet street their workforces as cheap as possible and he couldn't have done it unfortunately without a certain amount of political collusion it was almost a faustian contract was concocted between thatcher who was prime minister at the time and murdoch because murdoch used to we used to sell or we used to produce on the fleet street site 4,400,000 copies per night on that one site. And if you think that normally, on average, one newspaper gets seen by about three or four people, that can influence an awful lot of people. So the deal was that The Sun, or Murdoch's newspapers, would support Margaret Thatcher. And the other side of the agreement was that Thatcher would put in anti-union legislation that would allow him and give him the facilities to dump a workforce which he exploited
7: uh, because the government was determined to rein in the powers of the trade unions so once they, uh, the, the government and the mining industry had had their victories with the miners we knew it would only be a matter of time before they picked on the print workers
2: and instead of Uh, negotiating and making it a civilized way of uh, changing people's working he found it easier just to sack everyone and start again with uh, with people who were new Uh, and he could probably pay them less money um, and he didn't have the unions to worry about
6: the big change with the new technology was that printing the pages became a lot cheaper you could do a lot more pages and thus you had a lot more advertising space that you could sell and that was the key there were two things that the technology was very useful for you could cheaper pages smaller print bill once you would sacked all the printers and potentially a lot more profits that's what the technology was used for the management had looked at the technology and said we can make an awful lot of money out of this and we're going to keep all of the money and it's not going in workers' wages. And in a sense that's almost what history's about. <laughs> the benefits of the new technology goes to those who own it, not those who work it.
8: We'd always said that what ought to happen is that where you have systems of work that improve the system, it should also improve the system for the workers. So instead of having to work longer hours, or the same hours, then you should work shorter hours, and that's what we said. But unfortunately, managements don't see that way, because mostly they introduce those sort of systems, not because it's brilliant for everybody, but because they can do things more cheaply.
9: I just think he wanted to employ
8: people that wasn't in the union. I think he he felt that um, he could
9: offer them less terms and conditions, less holiday, and certainly less pay.
1: He didn't see why he should pay 1,000 or 1,200 quid a week to somebody when he could get someone in to do the same job with the, the coming of computers for
2: about 150 quid a week. And he said to us, well, I'm gonna set up a new firm in Wapping, and you can come, but you have to come on my terms, which would mean no union membership, you would have a fixed rate of pay which I would determine, you'd have no rights to complain about anything. In fact, you'd have no rights at all. And by the way, half of you won't be required.
4: He he did something that I never thought anyone could do. He got a newspaper out without any union labour whatsoever. And he got it out. So it was a bit of a shock. And then we had that year-long battle, as I expect you've heard about,
6: Really, I can't tell you much, and one of the reasons I can't tell you much about the lead-up to the Wapping dispute is that the crucial part of the lead-up to the Wapping dispute is that we weren't told anything. At one point, various of my colleagues would disappear with what was known, became known as Wapping Cough. Oh, they're off sick, they've got Wapping Cough, and what that meant was they were being trained down in Wapping to do work on the new technology.
8: The plant at Wapping had already been bought and it was going up and we knew that because we'd been involved with it and lots of the union representatives had been to the site to recommend to the management the positioning of the machines and how many people to be employed and so on. And then the management stopped. They threw, if you like, a cloak of secrecy over everything and they wouldn't talk to the union at at all. They wouldn't talk to any of the workers. They wouldn't talk to any of the union reps. And so we became very suspicious. We knew that something nasty was going on, but we didn't know what. And then we started to hear about the management recruiting new workers in different places around the country. And we realized that what was happening was that they were recruiting people to replace people, but we had no idea that what was going to happen was that the management would sack 5,500 people literally overnight. We didn't know that
2: and we we thought there was going to be some negotiations and a settlement was going to happen. And just out of the blue, everyone got
6: sacked. the management then said to to the printers, well, you're all sacked. And then they came to the journalists and said, on a Friday afternoon, they said, you are all moving to Wapping tomorrow to start work on new technology. We'll give you a whole load of money. Make your minds up, take it or leave it. You get on the bus. There'll be buses here tomorrow morning that will go to Wapping, take you to Wapping. Those of you who don't go uh, will be fired. In my view, they'd engineered the strike with the printers in order that they could sack the printers and then move everybody in. And I said I wasn't going along with that. There was a vote among the journalists on the Friday evening, and they voted overwhelmingly to get on the bus and go to Wapping. And I think Eight journalists at the Sun refused, and I was one of them. It was—it was actually working on the stone that bit I told you about, working opposite the printers, that I couldn't. I had, you know, pe- men among the printers that I'd worked with, and I would worked very closely with them. And there I was being told, "Right, you are going to do something that is going to assist management in sacking these people." And it wasn't for me. I couldn't have lived with myself doing that. At the end of January 1986, Rupert Murdoch, proprietor
7: of The Sun, The Times, The News of the World newspapers, moved his operations from Fleet Street to Wapping in East London. At the same time, he sacked 5,500 print workers and employed 600 other workers to operate his new plant. The first edition of The Sun to be printed at Wapping appeared on Monday the 27th of January. Since that day, the print unions have mounted a continuous 24-hour picket of the main gates in protest against this move
5: we were fighting to get our jobs back. And
8: if we couldn't get our jobs back, then at least let let us have our redundancy. So what we tried to do, we tried to do everything as peacefully as we could to create as much inconvenience as possible, to try to stop the lorries coming out, but also to create as much of an impediment, an obstacle for the police. So we used to gather, just opposite the Tower of London, thousands of us, at around about eight o'clock at night and then we would hang about for about an hour with the police getting more and more irritated with us because we would they would have to block off the traffic because you can't have traffic running down thousands of people it just is not the thing to do and then we would walk very slowly now it's not very far tower hill to wapping is only about half a mile but we would try and make it last about three hours, so we would walk about six steps and then stop and then walk another six steps and then stop, and meantime more and more people are coming into the march with all their banners and their drums and their whistles and stuff. And of course it's very dark, because it was at night, and then we might arrive at Wapping at about half past nine, ten o'clock, sometimes later, sometimes ten thirty. Because the more that we occupied the road, the more inconvenient it was not only for the police, but also for the company.
1: Because there was a lot of humour. There was an awful lot of humour as well. The TNT lorries used to come out of the back um, to go up the highway. Um, we always knew they were coming out because the police would form a long line across the road, so you couldn't get anywhere near the road. Uh, they were only young coppers. They were on overtime. There were a lot of South Wales coppers as well for some reason. They was all on overtime and they didn't mind them and they liked to punch up. And as this guy, he had a great big music box thing. And we were all stood there looking. He's has out the front line, he's put it on the ground like that, and it clicked like that, but it needs to be things called cassettes then. Which <laughs> is really up. And he went, and the song it's called The Laughing Policeman, do you know that? And he's like, I know a fat old policeman who lives just down our way. Try and have a listen. If you find it, Google it up, The Laughing Policeman. It's a really silly song. But this was booming out about one o'clock in the morning and even the policemen were laughing. And it was nice. There was lots of good things went on, lots of funny things.
6: I
0: know a fat old policeman, he's always on our street. A fat and jolly red-faced
5: man, he really is a treat. He's too kind for a policeman, he's never known to frown. And everybody's sick.
9: When we left, I was, I was driving um, and I had my daughter and my sister-in-law and we came along the embankment on our way home and what would come in the opposite direction <laughs> but two coaches full of scabs, we referred to them as scabs. Those were, they were the people who were being brought up from the WTPU union from Portsmouth. This was a case of 95 red, red rags to three little balls in one car. And I went berserk. We were at the traffic lights. I went berserk. My daughter went berserk. We wound down the windows and we shrieked out of the car, scabs, 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 because that was what people did on a Saturday night at Wapping. What we used to do was to go down to Wapping and just stand opposite Murdoch's New plant, his new offices, where the new paper was coming out, and we would just be showing our protest and um, we weren 't allowed to go too near, but uh, when the lorries came out, everyone would shout jeering things at them, like scab and whatever
5: you used to have like little tents and sleep on the pavement and thing and, and used to sort of. Trying to attack the lorries of throwing eggs at the windscreens of lorries, because if you throw an egg at the windscreen and the windscreen rifles won't clear it, just make it smearish So all the big lorries was coming out of Wappen with all newspapers, everybody'd stand there and throw eggs at them.
0: Eventually, what they would do, the police would clear away for the for the uh, newspapers to come out. Then they'd fly out at 50, 60 miles an hour. And if you was in the way, well, that's bad, that's tough luck on you. In fact, one guy was killed. Well, he wasn't a picket, he was just walking down the street and he got hit by a lorry going at 50 mile an hour.
8: Well, once the dispute started, I was one of those uh, people in the union who would help organise demonstrations and support for the workers who were in dispute. So um, I would help organise the marches, I would make all the arrangements, and we had a big march from Scotland uh, to London and I helped organise that. And then I would also help organise support for the workers by raising money, by speaking at meetings, um, and uh, helping with their legal cases and their unemployment benefit cases, and just trying generally to help people live their lives so that they were able to feed themselves
4: and their families. And it was very difficult for the union to place everyone in a job. So there were times when some of us didn't have a job to go to, and so there was a lot of suffering. There was a lot of times when we couldn't buy enough food, we didn't have enough money to pay the bills. We'd go down
5: there and we'd take food parcels down for them, because they wasn't earning no money, so you'd take food parcels down so they could take home. So they they got families with children, they wasn't earning any money,
4: the union used to give them some money. I used to go over there every Saturday night and every Wednesday night because that's when they had the big marches. I worked in the soup kitchens. We had a caravan, not in the soup kitchen, we had a caravan parked and we, we did the soups.
1: Because it was on the bend of the River Thames that it went to minus 19 on certain nights. And you had to wait for the papers to be printed and come out and you had to be there at 4 o'clock in the morning or 3.30 or 3 o'clock when the papers came out. And it was a very bitter one.
8: Some of the photographs you can see, it's people's children, mums and dads and aunties and uncles coming to the uh, demonstration. And we even had a
4: children's demonstration on Christmas Day. We tried to talk to the public and explain to them how important it was and how serious it was and to get their support on our side. And that, of course begged everybody not to buy their newspapers.
0: There was a, a, a whopping residents group that came on marches with us because they objected. What happened was the coppers used to close off the street. So if he was a resident, you couldn't get home. Yeah.
8: I'm asking
2: you inspector, why can't we walk down this particular street? What's the reason? I'd like a reason publicly why we can't walk down this
0: street. Some people thought, God almighty, I've come to this place and there's a riot going on outside my front door. But a lot of people supported us and saw that, you know, the police really were taking, you know, it's reminiscent of a police state. You can't do this, you can't do that, you can't go there, you
1: can't do this. Argue with them, you'll get arrested. We We used to march, you know, just to let people know. I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it. We used to march, and one night, there's a little caravan, little old lady, um, used to do teas because a family had all been in the. It's just off Wapping Highway and there's a little tiny pedestrian bit and the caravan was parked there. We could go and have a cup of tea because you've been shouting, well, what do you want, Murdoch out and all that. Get a sore throat, go and have a cup of tea. And a couple decided just to charge it and they smashed the caravan up. Why would you do that? Smash it up to pieces. Little old lady got a bang on the head. Totally unnecessary. The and they used to do things like uh, there's a guy who used to run out with a boiler suit on and he had a tank on his back and he'd spray you with something. Nobody knew what it was, but it was that marker water, that marker water. And people would get picked up on the way home and bashed up, bashed up by the policemen. And on one night, we had television cameras there with a, a lady reporter who'd been to every murderous place in the world reporting, Kate Eighty. And the first time she gets hurt, she gets hurt at whopping. The police hit the cameras, hit her, hit everybody.
9: But this particular, I think it was a Saturday night, and Murdoch's aim was obviously to get his papers out and get them out on time. But um, he called in the riot police to help him. So we'd be talking to the police one time and then there were like suddenly out of all these vans, much smaller kind of people got out. They seemed to be much smaller somehow, but they were hidden and they had their faces were hidden. They had these, they looked very scary. And they had like these big, strong um, riot shields in front of them and they lined up across the highway. And um, we were very curious. This is the first time I saw this. But the next thing, they were charging at us. So we ran. It was quite terrifying. And um, I remember a friend of mine just couldn't run. She was like, she'd gone into shock. And we had to kind of grab her and shake her and get her to run because they just hit you.
0: So we don't know, for example, we, there was people on the picket line on the, amongst the coppers who were shorter than police. And we thought, who were these people? And I'm pretty certain, we're all pretty certain, it was army. They got army personnel there, all kinds of people. MI5, God only knows who was down there on the police side, you know. The
1: truth of it is, has never come out. When they come charging out um, at you, and it was all young coppers with their truncheons there. No numbers, they didn't wear any numbers on their shoulders at all. Just black boiler suits. And um, it could be quite scary because you think, well, hang on, you're you're a policeman. You're not meant to be doing this. You're not meant to um, be attacking me. You're meant to be protecting everybody, you know, not just one side against another side.
3: Thank you for listening to episode four of Fleet Street Remembered. The interviews were collected by children from St. Matthews and St. George the Martyr Primary Schools as part of a project supported by St. Bride Institute and the News International Dispute Archive. Archive audio courtesy of Andy Humphreys and Despite TV. In the fifth and final episode, we explore confrontations between the police and picketing print workers at Wapping and the effect new technology had on the industry. This podcast was funded by the National Lottery Heritage Fund and produced by Digital Works. To find out more about our oral history projects, films and podcasts, visit www.digital-works.co.uk where you can also view Banging Out, Fleet Street Remembered, the documentary film made as part of this project.